everyone. Welcome back to Late Night London. It's Chris Rainey here. As always, I'm joined by my partners in crime, Lottis Hughes and Wild G. Today's special guest was voted by Variety as one of the top 10 comics to watch. She's also the reigning champion of NBC Stand Up and host of the Nonprofits podcast. Welcome, Frankie French. How are you? Yay, me, it's me, woo! Oh, no, we're not, okay, I thought, I thought there was going to be some grand applause. Well, this is, you cheered this for is yourself. disappointing. Oh, uh, we set you this up. Very, no, thank you, Warren. Don't give me your cheesy, late <laughs> applause now. We're English. This should this be, high, high this, this exactly. should be raucous, <laughs> this should be a raucous standing ovation, and I will accept nothing less, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I'm doing great. I was very surpri- uh, ple- pleasantly surprised to, to get your message requesting my presence on your show. So thank you all so much no, for I having me and well, wanting to talk with me. Appreciate you replying. Before we jump in a bit more, tell everyone a little bit more about yourself personally and uh, oh, kind of your journey up until um, now. Oh, personally, um, so I, I don't have a personal life because I'm a comedian and entertainer. So um, personally... <laughs> All I do is anything that has to do with my work. I have a, a kid and a husband, gross. Um, so <laughs> any free time I have is spent giving my husband blowjobs and taking care of my daughter. Yuck. Um, <laughs> Poor you. Outside of, outside of that, I'm also an, an openly bi woman. Um, and my daughter is an openly gay woman. And together we have a podcast actually called By the Way They're Gay. Um, which is spelled T-H-E-I-R, and everyone freaks out about it. Like, Frankie, it's supposed to be T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. And it's like, no, I know how words work. It's intentionally spelled that way. Give me like a little dash of credit. Um, <laughs> I've been posting it for weeks. I'm aware what's on there. It's because she's the only full gay person on the show mm-hmm. uh, as, far, as far as host. So she owns the gayness on the show. We thought it would be funny and cute. Whatever, people are dumb, they don't get it. Um, so what else about me? Oh, I'm writing a book. That's another thing that I'm doing. Uh, and I'm just writing, I'm just writing a ton and trying to survive the quarantine. That's what I'm doing. Cause America's gross. Yay. America. Okay. Yeah. It's been a hard time. Is that time. a good synopsis? There's definitely, that? That amazing. definitely. Yeah. Okay, what, okay. <laughs> how, I know it's been quite a big struggle for comics during, um, COVID. How have you kept yourself sane? Well, so for a while, I so so here's how my quarantine went. So we're we're like almost pretty much at like exactly one year, right? Yes. So a year ago this time, um, as you mentioned earlier, I had just won stand up NBC. I had moved to LA on um, January twentieth of last year, and I moved out there. I quit drinking alcohol um, December third, and then I quit smoking cigarettes. Uh, February 14th, my whole plan in my mind was I'm just going to get a clean mind, clean body, and really focus on my career and not have any like external distractions. I've partied a lot and I'm like, okay, you can just not drink for a while. Um, so I quit everything and I was like walking every day and eating right and, and writing and just having, taking these amazing meetings with networks and agents and managers and like all these people. And as soon as I landed my eight, my manager, um, the pandemic hit and we went on lockdown. So I packed a little bag and my, cause my husband and my daughter still lived in Virginia where I am currently Virginia, right outside of Washington, DC. And I came back and I was like, okay, guys, you have mommy with you for probably two, maybe three weeks. 
And now <laughs> we're at the one year mark and I'm like, ah! okay. so I say all that to say you actually can make a horror housewife. So, um, but, besides- <laughs> but it takes a global pandemic. <laughs> all it takes is a global pandemic. That's all it takes. Um, but at the start of the pandemic, um, when I came home about a month later, I found out I was pregnant and then I lost the baby from stress. Um, unfortunately yeah it was very devastating I like to say that very quick in that story so people don't go oh my god congratulations like that baby died um so (laughs) uh, I I had an immaculate abortion um it doesn't count when God gives it and so um (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know how to react to that to be honest (laughs) you're supposed to laugh oh you think it's amazing that I'm so forward you said Warren it's great. Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Great. People hate it, you know, but this is just, this is who I am. And I've, I've tampered it down for many, many years. And now I'm just at a point in my life where I'm like, you know what? This is who I am. Love it. Hate it. I can't pretend like I'm not this person. So um, to make a real long story short, I, I had the miscarriage and I went into a really, really dark depression. Like, I, I mean, like deep, dark depression. Like I couldn't stop crying. Like I cried constantly. Um, I'm very surprised my husband stayed with me because I'd have been like, okay, bitch, I'm out like month two. Um, But no, he was very strong, very loving, very supportive. And weirdly, the thing that brought me out of my depression was um, Kenya Barris's Netflix show, Black AF. Have you guys? Yeah, I just started watching it and just felt so connected to these just amazing black faces, just not being in a box, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's one of the things I actually love about London Hughes, not to, 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 you know, to bring up that connection, but she's so free. I watch her and she's just a free black woman doing her thing, whatever she wants to do. Yeah. I love that. Like, I love that so much. And Black AF just gave me that feeling of freedom and just brought me to a place where I started actually doing a different podcast called Debatable AF where initially the the goal was to to um talk about and debate the show because so many people had black people had issues with why is there a white woman playing a black a black woman i'm like okay first off uh rashida jones is black royalty do you even know who her father is like i'm gonna need you to calm it all the way down (laughs) so i did like these series of debates and then that kind of sparked into something else and turned into this other kind of fun show and that was the thing that brought me out of my depression. And that's what's been kind of keeping me going, just creating these different projects and um, putting those out into the world and, and seeing what happens with them. Mm. I know that was a very long-winded answer. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'm so like, basically, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I say that to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've got to be honest with you. I've been so excited for this. Um, really? Why? What's your stuff? And I, I, I feel like you're... Well, I know that you're hilarious, but like in a natural way, you know, some people can be forced, but you're naturally hilarious. So I wanted to kick it off and ask you a question from the from the drop. Um, yeah. At what point did you decide to grow up Caucasian? <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't intentional. Though it was, and it wasn't by choice. It was more by force. My mm. mother, um, God rest her hateful heart, she... Um, <laughs> Oh no, my mom, huge piece of shit. We'll talk about that later. Um, but she she raised us in the suburbs. Um, we were literally one of two black families in, in that area, you know, in the 80s, when being black was super cool. Um, and 
you know, we, it was a horrible existence. We were tor you know, I, at least for me, I was tortured, you know, teased and bullied endlessly. I would hide in the bathroom during the lunch hour so that I wouldn't get beaten up and teased and, but like groups of kids would just like beat me. It was horrible. On um, my first day of kindergarten at the school, the most adorable little blonde hair, blue eyed white, I mean like the cutest dimples, the whole shit, mop of curly blonde hair, saunters over to me, bends my pinky fingers back, spits in my face and told me, go back to Africa, nigger. What? Yeah, that was like, <laughs> welcome to the suburbs. Cause I had lived in, I was growing up in New York. Um, so I didn't know my life was different. So my mom, I'll make a long story short. My mom had me, left me in the hospital and was like, ew, gross, I don't want that. And then went back to her regular life. Now, mind you, she had three kids before me and then ended up having two more after me that she kept, but whatever. Um, and so my grandmother came, got me from the hospital. My grandmother raised me. So the moments in my life when I was living with my mother, my birth mother, um, it was really me and my grandmother living with my mom so my grandma could help her take care of my siblings. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Not really, but no, yeah. Um, I'm sense. sure knowledge and Warren understand. Sorry, Chris. But um <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is one of my best shows to date. <laughs> Warren, you better stop it. For once, okay? for once on the minority, for once on the minority. So I'm going to have to deal with it. I'm going to have to deal with it. It's fine. It's all good. But yeah, so that, that I think gives you a pretty good snapshot. So my mother, she was a psychopath. Like she was a lunatic. And if we even spoke slang, like on the phone with a friend, like, yo, what's up? she would snatch the cord out the wall. So like the way that we spoke, you know, was very important to her. You know what I mean? So people always, you know, tell, oh, you're so, you speak so proper. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's just the abuse in my throat. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're just I'll hearing years of beatings. That's so, it's okay. <laughs> we were talking about yeah. beatings recently, weren't we, Joel? We were saying, we were, we were sharing what our parents' weapons of choice was. <laughs> Do you remember? It was like, what's your, what was your, what was your knowledge? What was your, your parents' weapon of choice when you got beats? Well, to be honest with you, it's mainly, uh, mainly belts. They used um, this thing from the trees outside as well. Like, um, I can't remember what they're called. A now. switch. They're called a, a switch. switch. Yeah, a switch. Mm -hmm. So they used to use that and beat me. Um, obviously they use psychology as well. Um, but <laughs> did, yeah. Did you ever get a curtain wire? Curtain wire? I didn't yeah, get yeah. wow didn't get but that's a lot of effort to take down a curtain just to beat we you. didn't have curtains so uh, <laughs> like um we grew up very poor just had the wire i expose my sister but we grew up extremely poor so yeah we didn't have curtains <laughs> just had the wire by itself yeah they just used the wire for the i curtain. dig it i can dig just it swang it swung it really fast so that it just looked like the whole window <laughs> well, at least we had weapons my mum was a weapon new judo so Oh wow! Shut up. Wow, that's yeah. unfortunate. That's just my bad father time. knew. Uh, my father is a jiu-jitsu and karate master, and the one time now he's a piece of shit. Don't. <laughs> um, and so the one, <laughs> the one, <laughs> the one time. So he actually, I didn't. I have a. So one of those siblings that I have, my sister right after me. Um, I didn't even meet her until I was eight years old because my father kidnapped her when she was an infant. So I didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't even know. I like my life story is if I told if we sat and like really took the hours to go through like, OK, I was born. I had meningitis. I was in a coma for six months and then I died. And then I woke up miraculously. Like if we walk through my whole life story, 
it sounds like the worst Lifetime movie. Like they just try to cram everything into one Lifetime. Like it's literally <laughs> that ridiculous. Who would it's, play you? Who would play you in the Lifetime version? Um, knowledge, have we met? I'm playing myself, Doi. <laughs> Why don't I get an actress that's, to play me? And gross. No, I'm gonna play myself. Who could do it justice? Who could do it justice? No one. Or my, I get my daughter to do it because she looks, she kind of looks like me. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe one of my younger sisters. I, I could see one of them doing it. They could, they know how dramatic I am. But, by the that. sounds of it, though, most people that have gone through what you've gone through probably would have gone off the deep end in some way, whether it's drugs, alcohol. Look, you know, Chris, I never said I wasn't a drug addict. Okay, <laughs> get your shit together. Yeah, I had a couple of years there. <laughs> no, there was me trying to come with the whole, you know, did comedy save you? And, you know, I was, I was going down that angle. Has comedy been the outlet for you then? Because you can make a joke about all these things, which is... First off, I'm going to need you to get the Caucasian out of your questions. And yes, that is the answer. Um, <laughs> no, comedy has... <laughs> Therapy is my therapy. Um, comedy is my comedy. I, I know a lot of comics that, you know, say, you know, comedy has been my therapy. And I yeah. think that, you know, if you can do that, good on you. Like, that's fantastic. I'm happy for you. Um, but for me, I can't really talk about things publicly until I've come to Jesus with that moment. You know what I mean? And really kind of saw, seen it face on, head to head, and felt the feelings, gone through it, and, and resolved to getting beyond it. Right? So... My therapy has to be like real therapy. When I get on stage, um, really my purpose is is because I have gone through so much. Um, a lot of which, you know, most people, one of those things a person wouldn't couldn't survive. Some people, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, but for whatever reason, and, and honestly, I, I can only say it's some higher power working in my favor not to get weird and spiritual. I'm not a religious Jesus freak. Ugh. Um, but <laughs> I can only say it, it is something greater than myself that has been able to keep me moving forward and, you know, continue to work in my passion. You know what I mean? Because there's, there have been times working in entertainment. Um, I think most people that do, most of you may, maybe have experienced where you lost everything. You know what I mean? Where I literally, there, I'm surprised my husband stayed with me. I was making high six figures in a corporate job. Um, you know, and I stopped doing that to make nothing doing comedy, but, um, and I, and there, that's a much longer story, but the reality is I was killing myself at that job being this thing that these people wanted me to be and told me I should be, and it didn't fit. I was miserable. You know, I, I remember many, many, many times pulling up to my job and sitting in my car for 20, 30 minutes to cry. Cause I'm like, Oh God, I can't, go in and face this, you know, and I, and I know there's probably people watching like, wow, oh my God, poor baby, six figures and you couldn't hack it. Well, you know what? And like a lot of people have that same feeling towards Meghan Markle and you don't know what a person's dealing with internally, unless you're inside of their shoes and you're living in their, their space. But we as humans, so many, even though a situation may seem great and there may be a multitude of benefits and there may be things that Yes, that six-figure career, absolutely. It paid my bills. It put my daughter in school. You know, all of those things, sure, for sure. But what it did to my soul, it was never worth it. Not a, I was physically assaulted at one of these jobs by my white, older, female HR person who is still in that job after hitting me in my face. Wow. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, how, how do I go back to work after that? 
how do I, how do I just pretend, how do I do that? Yeah. You know, and that's an extreme instance. Yes. But there were tiny things like that throughout the years. Yeah. Microaggressions, just tiny little things. Oh, wow. Frankie, you're so articulate. You speak so well. What the hell did you expect me to sound like Barbara? (laughs) (laughs) It's those, it's those ones where. You know what I mean? Like, why is it such a shock? (laughs) You know. Yeah, but Frankie, one thing I'd like to say, especially obviously speaking to you for the first time, is that like the strength that you you yield and and the the confidence that you have, especially with owning your trauma, it's inspirational. Definitely, I'd love to say this to you. It's, it's inspirational. The stuff that you say and the way it rolls off. But I know that like it's obviously taken a long time to get here. But the way that you just portray it, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Okay, first of all, Warren, um, I am terrified all the time. Just so everyone's clear, I have no confidence i'm and that's the thing i like to tell people because i think there are a lot of us that think i would do that if i had more confidence i don't have the confidence like that i don't i I have a passion and a drive i can definitely say that i have those two things and i have ideas Uh, and i have visions and i have dreams and and the weight of those things is heavier than my fear That's a good way of so putting it. That's that, a good you know way what I mean? That, that, those things, they, they propel me forward to, to go even though I am terrified in every, in every step, in every moment. I was dreading coming here. I wanted to come and I was excited and I'm excited to do the interview, but I was so nervous, so nervous to meet this set of new people that I don't know. You know what I mean? So anybody watching and listening, you, you have to make a decision. You, you have to decide. And I tell my daughter this too. You have to decide if you want to live in fear or live in your, and live or live your dreams. You really have to make that decision because it, one, if you're not afraid, you're probably not doing the right things. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. That's number one. And number two, if you are afraid and you can take that step into the fear, oh, the rewards are unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And just and and once you get that first acknowledgement of yes, I, this is I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. I'm headed in the right direction. You just listen to the sounds and you listen and you watch for the signs and you just follow. And I know that sounds mystical and weird, but I'm telling you, it's not the at all. Earth and the energy is literally providing you all the information that you need to get to where you're going. It's telling you that feeling in your gut that oh that mm, that thing in the back of your head that the hair standing on your neck, that weird, all of that, those goosebumps you got because your friend said the thing, all of that is information that the, the, the universe is trying to provide you to help you get to where you need to go. And there's fear in that. I feel and like that's it works okay. in your favor though. I feel like it works in your favor. That's why I'm so drawn to your comedy because it's authentic because you have that fear. You can tell that you're not just up there like spitting rehearsed lines and like, you know, acting it out. It's actually come from a natural place. And, and that's why I've, I've enjoyed uh, so much of it. But Thank I wanted you. to ask you a, a, another question. Yeah, um, please. Obviously you, you mentioned um, that racist scenario with the blonde hair, curly hair, look pretty looking little one. Um, in the UK, we don't have um, the joy of having much overt racism. We get subtle racism and uh, microaggressions that you touched upon before. So I just wanted to know, if, if, have you had any incidents of subtle race? Well, oh, no, you have, but what's been your favorite? I was going to say, knowledge, you're so adorable. <laughs> have I? Oh, my God. I, yes, my you said, what's your favorite? Is that what um, yeah, I mean, I, I get it all, all the time. Um, I get it quite often. I get it when one of the, probably one of the biggest 
blaring signs I get is if I meet someone over the phone. Okay, um, if I meet someone over the phone, and right, you already see where this is going. And then remember that dress that they had a few years ago? It was white and gold. Remember is it gold? Dress? Oh, and yeah. Some, yeah. Yeah. And then some people like saw it purple and black, and they're like, oh wait, I don't. Yeah. So I was like that dress. People would hear me over the phone, like, oh my god, she's definitely white with blonde hair. And they meet me in person, like, oh shit, this bitch is black as fuck. You know what I mean? So and <laughs> and you can. You can see the reality wash over their face. And I find that hilarious. And I usually just go, let's address the elephant in the room. Do you, you really? did not expect <laughs> me to be this black, you know? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not. And I'm like, oh, no, it, it's okay. That's exactly what's happening. Let's just all take a deep breath. Let's all calm down. I'm not going to take your wallet. I'm not going to take your purse. You know, just like kind of diffusing that moment with what I think is hilarious, but what makes them very uncomfortable. And it's like, you deserve to be uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like you deserve to sit with your racism. I'm, I want you to sit in it and I'm not going to make you feel comfortable or tell you that it's okay because it isn't. Um, I, it. I absolutely love it because it's so funny that people don't understand that for black people, we have to choose when to be black and when Absolutely. to be black in order to survive in today's society and like Absolutely. the microaggressions are so funny but you just sometimes you have to hold hold it down one time at work or one time I say one of many times I just did <laughs> I just did a simple thing um got praise for it and then um someone in hierarchy said that um I was just so gangster with the way I did it <sighs> and I'm like excel spreadsheet how can Excel Switchy be gangster? A line B, motherfuckers. <laughs> oh my god. Crazy, man. It's crazy. But they, they're, they're oblivious. They are so oblivious to what's happening. They probably the thought they were being cool and yeah. like uh down. Like they oh it's so just don't so so white friends, white friends, if I can give you any advice. We don't need you to be down. Don't no. try to be, don't, seriously, don't. <laughs> we're cool with you showing up on the scene like, oh, do, 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 do. we're fine with that. Just be your regular corny self. Now, if you're cool, then just be cool. Don't add extra stink on it because we're talking. Don't add a yo, we're just a hey would do. Please, for the love of Christ, and every, <laughs> in the name of all that is sacred and holy, just shake my hand regular. You are not required to dap me up. You don't have to do that. So I just want to put it out there, you know, because oftentimes I, that's, you know, when you said that, Chris, uh, about, you know, the changing their vernacular, I, if there's one thing I loathe, do not start because I will immediately look at you and go, I'm sorry, I don't speak Ebonics. That's the response you're going to get from me every single time, white friends, when you try to come at me like, yo, yo, Frankie, uh, no, don't do, ooh, bitch, don't do it. <laughs> Do not do it because I'm going to drive to your house. I'm going to steal your phone. I'm going to find your mama and your daddy's phone number. I'm going to reverse search it and drive to their house and spit in their face. That's how that's going to go down. And I mean that with all disrespect. Okay. I love them. You know the You see when they try to dab it up and it's like. It's like that. Yeah, worry, worry. Yeah, they like... don't know which way to turn it. Oh. <laughs> If I had a dollar for every time that happened at a comedy show, when I've shown up on the scene and I see a white friend and you can see the look and I'm like, oh, that's a no. they're going to try to execute a dab. Oh, God. And they're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing with my hands. Just 
<sighs> stop it, Jim. If you don't stop it. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> when, when did um, you uh, first kind of know that you were funny? Um, I still don't know that I'm funny, if I can be really honest. Uh, I, I really don't know that I'm funny. I, so you guys know kind of the way that I grew up. Um, so I have in my in that household, I had three older siblings, one younger sibling, but to totally I have six sisters, two brothers. And I'm like, kind of like right in the middle ish. And so, you know, anyone that's grow grown up in a black family, and this is very specific to, to black folks, we play a game called snaps, right? Um, you might call it something different, but basically where you talk shit about the people you're close to or, or the dozens, some people call it the dozens um, or joning. Some people might call it joning, but when you grow up in a black family, you gotta be quick and you gotta be sharp. I was neither of those things. So my siblings would, they would get me to, to no end. And finally, once when I, when we were adults, and we were in the hospital. Um, this is when my grandmother was sick and, and dying in the hospital. And all of my, we were all the siblings were there. And my brothers were just, go, my brother, my one brother, and was just going in on me, like just murdering me verbally, right? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm sitting there like, God damn it, I couldn't think of no comebacks. And then finally, he had these long dreads at, at, at the time and just got out of jail for on like a 10 year bid, right? And so finally, it was my moment. And I came back and I said, you know what? Shut the fuck up, Busta Crimes. And that was it. And that, <laughs> that shut the whole session. shut the whole session down. And his name is Yaya. So it was very, yeah. Oh, no. It was, yeah, it was very fun. My brother's name is Yaya. We all we actually oh, all have Arabic no. names. Like my real name, my real legal name is Bahija, which means joyful. Oh, no. Yeah, my family is, is Muslim. So I was raised Muslim. Um, even now, if I pray, I still pray in Arabic. But um, but yeah, so I never knew that I was funny. I, I, I'm, I'm just constantly working to be funny. Um, and, and by that, I just, like, I think knowledge said it best. I just tell my stories. Um, I don't really make up jokes. Mm. So any joke that you hear is from my real life in, in some shape or form. Um, it's, it really happened. And, and most of my jokes, oddly enough, most of my jokes are very, have very small embellishments. You know, all of the stories I tell literally from beginning to end, it's how they happen. I might change a name or like I had a joke about my daughter um, when she was four asking me about where babies come from. Mm -hmm. And, um, but now when I tell the story, I say it's my niece only because now she's 15. So I'm like, that's, you know, that she's, she's aged out of that joke. But the joke is still funny. So now I say, you know, I use it as my, my four-year-old niece. Um, and the joke is basically, she asked me where babies came from. And so I drew some diagrams for her, right? I drew um, some fallopes, some uh, ovaries, like nine, 10 shots of Hennessy, because uh, we know how mistakes are made. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> I drew a single sperm. And my sister got upset when I was telling her later, like, why would you draw a single sperm for a four-year-old? And I'm like, well, should I have just pumped some lotion in my hand and smeared it on my face and told her this is what it looks like when you see it in college for the first time? No. So yeah, I drew a single sperm. And when I was finished explaining it to her, my niece says to me, okay, auntie, let me get this straight. So the mom has the eggs in her tummy. I'm like, yeah. And the dad has the seeds. Yeah. And the dad takes the seeds, puts them in the mommy's tummy. It fertilizes the egg and grows a baby. Nailed it. Let's go get some ice cream. She's like, wait a minute. 
I have some follow-up questions. <laughs> How does the dad get the seeds into the mommy's tummy? Does she swallow them? <laughs> right? And I'm like, no, sweetheart. What we're talking about is how to make a baby. Weirdly, what you seem to be thinking of is how to make a husband. Very different <laughs> process. It's a very... <laughs> and that's actually the true story of the first time my daughter asked me where babies came from. <laughs> Except for drawing the Hennessy, like literally that whole thing happened down to her asking me, did, did, you know, does, the dad, does the mom swallow it? And in that moment, I had to think like, am I a parent or am I a comedian? Because yeah. there's a very funny line right I could say right now. <laughs> and I'm a comedian. So yeah, I'm like, fuck me and a mom. No, you're thinking about how to make a husband. And I laughed to no end. She had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> all of my jokes are 100% real. They, they happen to me in, in some shape or form. Mm. That's epic. Well, I, I know that you've been doing comedy for a long time now. Um, Seven years. Yeah, 2014. Think when you first started off yeah um but um obviously you've come to fruition you've become even more prominent through the um nbc um talent thing the comedy search so mm-hmm. describe how that how you come back to actually doing it um i saw some of it it was a clear winner by far <laughs> by far but just describe to people the rise the rise and rise of yourself in that yeah for sure so that's probably my favorite experience I've had in comedy and and not because I won but I learned a lot of lessons going through that process because I had actually I heard about stand-up NBC like year one when I started comedy a good friend of mine now and also comedian out of um, uh, New York uh, Glow Butler who is a phenomenal comedian Um, I love her dearly but she told me about it. You know, hey, Frankie, there's this competition. We should go audition. It's, um, you know, called Stand Up NBC. You get a talent holding deal, all of these, you know, amenities, blah, blah, blah. And so me, you know, um, thinking too highly of myself, I'm like, uh, 2014, I've been doing comedy six months. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to win, bitch. No, you're not. Like, that's not going to happen. So I, <laughs> Glow and I drove to, to New York. Um, and the process is grueling, okay? You get there. You don't have a, a time slot. You have to get in line. Um, they only see the first 100 comedians. Oh wow! And so you and, and comics start lining up at about three in the morning, um, the night of. You know. It's at the Apple and Store. So you, what'd you say? It's like lining up at the Apple Store just to get an audition. Oh, Chris, you're so cute. No, it's like lining up at the Jordan Store. Um. So anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> So you sleep outside in line with all these comedians and way more than a hundred comics line up. And, and then the next morning, if you're early enough in line, you get a little slip and then they call you in 10 at a time. Right. And you go up and you have one minute, 60 seconds to make enough of an impression that they want you to stay and come back for callbacks where they now give you two minutes. If you pass through those two minutes, then you come back for semifinals where you get six minutes. And if you get through the semifinals, then they fly you out to LA for the finals, right? So I started auditioning in 2014. I did it 2014, 15, 16, and 17, okay? Did not pass, right? Eight dicks every single time. So, you know, and I'm like, you know, and this, this is the lesson that I learned. And this is what I want comics because we are very temperamental, spoiled whiner babies, like calm the fuck down. So I got into this space and this mindset of, you know what? 
fuck that competition. It's rigged. Clearly, they haven't chosen me. So, doy, they, they're only taking people that have management and, you know, it, they, they already know who they want. All of this other stuff is just for show. Like, they call it stand up for diversity. They just want white people. They they did, they chose no white people, but whatever. So this was my this was my mentality. Rather than looking inward to see what, and I said inward, not n-word, Chris. But yeah. rather than looking at, um, inward, <laughs> you saw him, right? You saw him. Rather than, <laughs> rather than looking inward, um, I wanted to place blame on on all of these fictional villains, right? That's what I did for like a year, and I said, you know. I'm boycotting 2018. I'm not gonna audition. The they'll see. They they didn't miss me 2018. <laughs> they were they were perfectly fine. The show went on without a hitch, right? But here's the funny thing that happened. I went to LA. I got booked at the Hollywood Improv on Marcella Aguela's show, and called Woman Crush Wednesdays. Um, and I I went I flew to LA, and I did this show. It was amazing. And whenever I go to LA, I try to like stay for at least a week. Um, and, and like hop around and go see the other clubs and meet, see friends and things like that. So I'm at the Laugh Factory by myself and there's this comedian on stage who is murdering and I'd never seen him before. Didn't know his name, nothing. And I'm just sitting there and I'm, I'm also a big comedy fan. So I'm not just someone that does, like I love to watch other comics and I'm sitting there watching him and I'm like looking around like these people aren't even, they're, they're laughing, but they're not, giving this guy what he deserves you know like there he's killing but he they should be on the floor that's how good he is so a, as he's coming on stage i hurry up and go outside because i want to meet him and talk to him and so he comes outside and i'm you know and i'm like hey yeah i'm low-key stalking you you're fantastic who are you and it turns out it was mike e winfield i don't know if you if you're familiar but he's phenomenal um he's on the, the office he's done a lot of stuff he's got a, a special out right now on amazon called Stepman. He's married to an older woman and him and his stepson are the same age. Hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> so it's Mike E. Winfield. So we're standing outside and we're talking. And as we're talking, someone walks by and they say, hey, man, congrats. And then they keep on. And he's like, thank you. And they keep on going. So I asked him, I said, hey, what, what's he congratulating you for? And he's like, oh, I just won stand up NBC. <laughs> and I said, really? And I said, how was that? I said, you know, did you have to like, did people have to like kind of grease the wheel? And he's like, no, he's like, I went in audition, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what? I'm going next year and I'm going to win. And he's like, bet, like do that, right? Fast forward to the next year, 2019. I don't even think about it. As a matter of fact, right when the auditions happened, a high school friend of mine passed away. And, but I had a show in New York that Friday. Her funeral was in the evening of of, of that Saturday. My plan was to drive up to New York, do my show, come back and go to her funeral. I get to my show, my friend Chewy, shout out to Chewy May, I'm also a great comedian out of New York. Um, my friend Chewy comes to my show and she's like, hey, Frankie, since your bus doesn't leave until like, you know, 10 tomorrow morning, why don't you just come and sit in line with me at the NBC auditions? You know, if you don't make it, then no harm, no foul. You go get on your bus and go. And I'm like, ah, I'm like, my friend died. I don't like, I'm not even in the space, right? She convinces me. I'm like, fine, whatever. Sure. I'll go sleep in the street with the rats for like the Apple store, whatever, Whitey. And, um, <laughs> 
and uh let's say what apple apple crumbie yeah like you know how they do at the hugo ball store no nigga that's not what we do so ralph loren ralph loren well that new polo drops for the season if you don't shut your caucasian mouth so so we sleep in the street that night and I don't even have material prepared. I don't have a one minute prepared. What I had done every other year was work for like weeks on this perfect one minute. I didn't have any of that together. So I'm sitting in line like, okay, what's happened to you recently that you can talk about? And then I had just gotten my DNA, my um, ancestry.com done, right? And it turns out that I'm like 25% Irish didn't even which which is a lot of irish right i'm like that's a lot of white like and and it's funny because years ago i had a joke where i would say um uh i don't have any white in me but i've had some white in me right so now come to find out <laughs> so did my grandma but anyway um, <laughs> so, so i had just gotten my ancestry done but it was like it was like from all from both sides of my family made up the 25 percent so the joke I opened with was just got my, uh, my DNA test back and found out that I'm 25% Irish, which I thought was weird until I remembered I got my DNA done at 23 and me too, which is a slavery rape joke wrapped in yeah, a yeah, DNA yeah. joke, right? <laughs> and leveled the room, right? The, everyone, all of the executives watching like head on the table. So I was like, cool, I got them. And then I went into some jokes about being by, um, about uh what was the next joke i think it was about growing up in white suburbia prepared me for rejection from lesbians that lesbians don't date by women i had one girl tell me ew your vagina has been tainted with human man penis and i was like but it's free range organic and locally sourced i thought you lesbos were into that um (laughs) (laughs) right exactly it's whole foods way better than that gmo cock you got in your sock drawer morgan and so um (laughs) (laughs) and that took them all the way out right and so after that I I do my my one minute and we go outside and you know immediately if you passed or not and so they put the little sign up and my name's on it I'm like great so I pass to the second round I get two minutes I do my next two minutes it goes well and they invite me oh and so that comes out and and they don't tell you right away you have to stay in New York and call a number and they're like, call this number tonight at 10 p.m. and we'll announce the list of who's moving on to the semifinals tomorrow night, right? So the first and second round happened that day, semifinals next day. So I go and spend the night at Chewy's house and um, I'm calling my husband. I'm like, babe, obviously I'm not coming home. Like I don't, this thing may happen. You gotta go and represent at the funeral for both of us, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So 10 o'clock rolls around and Chewy's like, oh my God, Frankie, did you call? And I'm like, no, I'm not gonna call. Someone will text me congratulations or post it on Facebook. I don't want to call, like, I'm just not in that space for that rejection, right? And so she leaves the room, and then she comes back, she's like, oh, my God, you have to call. And I said, just tell me if I got it, just, just say that. And she's like, you got it. And they said your name first. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, awesome. So I go to the semifinals the next night, and who's the headliner? No one other than Mike E. Winfield, right? The Ooh. winner from last year. Exactly. So they put us all up. I go last. And then Mike goes out, goes up after me while the judges are tallying their votes, right? Um, so I, he comes off stage and he's looking for me and he finds me and he goes, Frankie, he goes, I remember you. 
He goes, I met you outside of Laugh Factory last year, right after I had just won this. And he goes, I had to work my ass off to follow you. You might win this whole shit, you know? And it was a really cool moment. Whether I won or not, it's, it just felt real, very full circle for me. You know what I mean? Like, it, and, and this is the other thing, like how I said, folks, earlier, the universe will put you and push you where you need to go, right? I had no intention of auditioning in 2019, but I said it. The universe heard me say, I'm going to audition in 2019 and I'm going to win. And they're like, what do you, you said that you were going to do this. So here's your show in New York. Your friend's going to come and get you to go. You know what I mean? All of these things happen and just put me, it's just, it's, it was just the universe. You know what I mean? And the reason that I wanted something that you said, uh, knowledge earlier is that all the other times before I was trying to be what I hoped that they would want to see. I was trying to formulate the exact, and this last time I didn't care. I had all these other things. My friend just died. I had all, so, met so many. I just slept in the street and I didn't want to. I only had one outfit. You know what I mean? Like I had no intention of doing any of the things that I had done. So it didn't really matter. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go up and just talk about myself and they'll like it or they won't. And that's the secret. If anyone's looking for the secret and the key to comedy, be your authentic self, no matter what that is. If it's vanilla, clean, you know, cool. If it's blue, dark, dirty, cool, that's cool too. But just be your authentic self. That's what we connect to as humans. I connect to you all because you're being real with me. You made me feel comfortable. We're engaged. You know what I mean? We're having a back and forth. There's a dialogue. I can relate to you. You can relate to me. You know what I mean? So we're connected. So think you could say, I farted. And I'm probably going to find it hilarious because, you know, knowledge be farting. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> On a regular, on a regular. <laughs> city, that's me. You know, so that experience for me did was it? I. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? I did. I heard it. It's you're disgusting. Ripping it. Um, ripping it. <laughs> so that experience for me was very eye-opening and taught me a lot. It taught me about um, uh, accountability, accountability to self. You know, be honest with yourself. You were trash those last four, five years. Yeah, you might be progressing in your comedy and stand-up, but no, you you didn't bring it when it was time to do that one minute. And that's the truth of those other auditions. I didn't bring it. They didn't pick me because I wasn't a fit. I wasn't qualified. I didn't show them that I was qualified at least, right? You know, maybe I could have done better with more time, but that's not the way that the, the audition works. You know, so it's important, we as humans, especially in the entertainment industry, you have to be realistic and honest with yourself. You know, because through I, I got bitter for like a year, you know, bitter. And it was disgusting. Wasted, wasted a year. Yeah, wasted a year. You're absolutely right. Wasted a fucking year. Yeah. Oh, this person's not doing that. Oh, this person. Did, so fucking what? So what? They're not giving you a seat at the table? Build a fucking table, you idiot. And go get your own, get a folding chair and pull up to their table anyway and sit down. Excuse me. Dust off someone's lap and sit on their ass. You know what I mean? My point is, by any means, you figure it out for you. There is no map to it. There's no one right way. You just just be true to yourself. You know, literally. Sorry to hug back all the questions, but no, keep. I love the questions. Let's let's go. Let's do sorry, it. Sorry guys. Sorry guys. I know you guys are probably just watching us two talk and getting a bit jealous. And that, but, but... They're getting erections. Are you kidding? Keep going, knowledge. <laughs> 
So what I'm I wanted home. to ask you. I'm at home. There's the, 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 the lotion's right there. I'm all good. <laughs> Just turn your camera down so I can see it. Okay, sorry, that was inappropriate. Go ahead, now. Like, what was your question? Warren's already, you've already set the mood lighting in the background, Warren. It. Looking like a strip club in your you'll house. Let me go and get that cool runnings out. out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what gets that's what gets it up. Yeah, he's like, mm, cool runnings. Oh God, cool runnings. Okay. Sorry, Knowledge, what's your question? So um you mentioned uh, throughout um obviously uh, the fact that you're bi uh, and your um daughter's fully gay. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to ask you is um what's what is the most common query? <laughs> oh, that's so bad oh my god <laughs> he got that from one of from one of my jokes oh did he did he okay <laughs> and so we're better we're better than that knowledge go ahead what, what's the most common query about what about um about being bi that you get or what's the most that's like the most you know like oh, aggressive like people saying thanks etc you know, I think the biggest thing that I get that most of my gay or bi, especially women, actually is the, my male gay and bi friends also get this too, where straight people, and I put quotes around it because they're, they're, they're having some questions and confusions kind of around their sexuality. And so they'll get a little too, they assume because you're, you openly date the same sex that you're an option for them to sample you know what I mean? To help them figure out their sexuality. Oh, wow. And it's like, oh, first off, girl, not my type, like 0% my type. You know what I mean? Like they, they just equate, oh, well, you have, you're, you're half a gay. So, you know, can, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I think that question or people like I've had, okay, here's, here's the answer to your question, knowledge. Weirdest question I ever got after a set. I'm back on stage at the end of the night because the club is doing this raffle, right? I happen to be hosting this show. And people are handing me their their cards for the raffle. And this older white gentleman comes to the edge of the stage and he's fanning this piece of paper. So I assume it's one of these cards. I grab it and I say, thank you. And he's like, no, no, no. He's yelling after me. You gotta, you gotta open that up and read it. So I'm like, oh, it's a complimentary note. That's so sweet. <laughs> and I open it up and it's like, and it says verbatim, it's my wife and I's 50th anniversary. And I'd like to have you as a present, winky face. Oh my God. <laughs> Did it work? First, the fuck of all knowledge, I'm gonna need you not to disrespect me, okay? And ask me that motherfucking question, bitch. Okay, that's number motherfucking one. And no, I, and I mean all disrespect right now. Hell no, it didn't work. I want to fuck a lot of people, a couple of old, decrepit, Kellyanne Conway ass looking white people is not on my list. Like, no, sir. I said I was, but that wasn't an invitation for you to ask me. That'd be so nice. Like, all this them, is my whole answer. All them wrinkles and all that, and like you can. I was gonna say that wrinkly shit. Fuck that. No, no. Okay. No disrespect. Like I mean, Sean Con- Sean Connery. God rest his soul. He could have got it all the way to the grave. He could have got it. This dude was no Sean Connery. He was more like if if like Trump lost all the weight but not the skin. You know what I mean? Like he was Aww. not. A, he was. He was, he was, he was not, <laughs> 
attractive. It, it was very, and I was offended because I'm like, you think I would fuck you? Like that's the other, that's the more offensive part. Yes, yeah, so he you believed it. He, had he, a he was confident. He was, he was confident. <laughs> he came to say, like, hey, you gotta read it. You gotta read it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta read. You gotta open it because I already know you're gonna be like, bet, meet me at. The... No, ew, gross. Did he, did he show she was his twin. It was like I was like, "Are you guys siblings?" Or I don't know what. Yeah, it was no. No. Did no. you did you communicate a no in sign language to him across the stage, or like this, did you even reply at all? No, I um left the stage and ran into the green room and told management like, "Hey, you see that gross ass white couple that uh, the the white man that came? He's with a wife." keep them away from me. If they go to the bar, tell them they have to leave. Like I, I cause I want to come out and like, and hang out and party. And I can't yeah. have that noise. And I was, I, and I was a drinker at the time. And after about the ninth shot of Patron, I could be suspect to fuck these old people. So I'm like, look. <laughs> Patron will do that. Hashtag protect black women. Like, do not let me <laughs> yeah. accidentally fuck these old decrepit white people. Please make sure that doesn't happen. So, no, I didn't. But it's things like that that I think is the weirdest question. And, and I think probably one of the strangest questions that I hate um, that my trans family has to go through is a, like, what is what's happening in their pants? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, why do you need to know? It doesn't matter. Sometimes it's twenty. It's twenty twenty one. Women have dicks. Sometimes get over it. You know what I mean? Like let it go. And sometimes men have wet ass pussy. Let it go. It happens. You know what I mean? Just relax. What's going on in someone's genitalia is not your business. No, you're not no. dating them. You didn't birth them. You're not their parent. You're not their best friend. None. And even if you are, again, not your business. You know. So those are some of the probably the weirdest questions. Um, or requests, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, that, that I get. Talk, talk to us about your shows. Now. Talk to us about the shows that you have, because you have your own podcast. There's two you mentioned. Tell us a bit French more Rose. about those. I do. Yeah. Oh, and French Roast. Yeah. So French Roast is kind of like on hiatus. I'm trying to figure out what to do with that show. It's my. It's one of my pride and joys. And I feel like when you're really passionate about a thing, it's your. it tends to be your biggest struggle. Um, but it's that the, so French roast is online um, when we when we do it, and it's basically a comedy roast show, right? So think if Punked and Comedy Central roast had a baby, that would be French roast. So basically, I would be like, I would invite Knowledge on, like, hey, Knowledge, I want you to come on. We're gonna roast Chris. Like, it's gonna be fun. It's his birthday. We're gonna roast him. And then when you when when Warren gets into the room, I'm sorry, when Knowledge gets into the room. It's um, really we're roasting him. And so we just flip the whole thing on the person. Yes, on the unknowing, unsuspecting person. And really the concept, um, we're going to do it like in the real world when the world opens up. So I'll be like French roasting people in restaurants um, at their show, in, in their dressing room. It doesn't matter. We're like going to be getting people anywhere in the world. And it, oh, you're giving birth? Perfect time to roast you. So like that, <laughs> you imagine, oh my God. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. I'm literally not kidding. Like I would love to do that to someone. Um, <laughs> oh, baby shower. So roast your baby. Perfect. Oh, I'll, I'm happy to do that. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to roast your unborn baby. So, <laughs> <laughs> but we've been doing it online and telling comics like, Hey, we got this um, woman uh, who, you know, and, and we do it for Reggie's too, regular people. Like if you want to roast your boss or roast your best friend, but it's gotta be someone that you love and care about. We don't want to like settle scores or like 
yeah. create beefs. Like it's gotta be, cause it's always done out of love. So that's that, that show. And then I have, by the way, they're gay, which is a show, a parenting talk show I do with my daughter. Um, we just had a couple of sex therapists on the show. I'm um, talking about how to talk to your kid about sex um, and gender and sexuality and all those kinds of things. And we asked all the questions that make parents very uncomfortable. At one point I did say, mommy is face down, ass up. That happened. Um, and then, <laughs> and, well, the, the I want to hear being, the therapist response to that. I wanna, I wanna, what oh, everyone was laughing. Everyone. So that's the point. It's like, I don't shelter my daughter from, from really anything. Um, I don't cover her eyes at sex scenes in shows or movies, and it's not to uh, oversex her or anything like that, but I think that we live in a world that isn't censored, right? We live in an uncensored world, okay? Why would I protect my daughter from that and then have her go off into the world and be completely confused and shell-shocked and uncomfortable? The world is real. I, my kid is dope. You know what I mean? Like, she's not an asshole. She's very empathetic. She's knowledgeable. She knows things that I don't know. You know what I mean? Because I give her access to all of the stuff and the things. And she knows how to set boundaries for herself. Why? Because I allow her to have her own voice. You know what I mean? Like, I, I knock before I go into her bedroom. And I wait for a response. I don't knock and open I, because that's her private space. And she's allowed to have her own. When I was growing up, the only thing to do in my house was get beat up. You know what I mean? Like, and close a door. My mom was like, if I want your opinion, I'll shove my hand up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet. Like that was, <laughs> that was how I grew up. You know what I mean? And so, and with that being said, I'll get back to the shows that I do, but with that being said, this is, I feel like an issue within the black community. We parent, we used to parent very different. Mm -hmm. And if you notice white kids grow up feeling so free, one of the reasons is not just because of society, but because their parents allow them to be free. Okay, if you, you, you know, and we complain about this when we're in private, Chris, oh, we talk about you guys so bad. But one of the things we talk about is when we're in public, and fucking Timmy is jumping all over shit and knocking shit down. Stop, Timmy, like, no, beat Timmy's ass. But you know what the good thing is that comes out of that? White kids are not afraid to explore. They'll touch things, they'll go see things. Black kids, you better sit your black ass right here. You better not, you better not move. You better not ask for shit. Don't try to do shit. Don't touch shit. Like that's, that's the instructions we get. Yeah, that's the speech on the way into the store. Yeah, don't touch shit. Don't look at shit. Don't ask for shit. And don't say shit. Like that's, the, that covers everything. And that teach, I feel like anyway, and there's no research. I don't have any research on it, but I what feel like. What is that? <laughs> um, I feel like 99%. I don't know. Nigga, I don't know. I'm just saying some shit that I feel and I'm making a fact. But I think that that, conditions our black children to be closed off and and um and confined right yeah. so like like during this conversation bootsy was um really telling me like mommy i don't want to talk about right that right now like we need to talk about that in private and i said yeah absolutely not, not a problem and the therapist said wow you know i'm really impressed that she has boundaries and she can verbalize that to you you know what i mean and and, and so the that's the whole purpose of the show is for parents regardless of gender orientation ethnicity regardless of all those things to see a different style of parenting that actually works you know what i mean my my kids got a's and b's in school like she's just a good person can she be an asshole 100 percent. but you know 99 percent of the time she's sweet and loving and when we have issues you know it's not an i don't need to beat her 
You know what I mean? I don't need to, to reprimand her that way. Now, I used to have a joke that, you know, I just take things away from her. For example, if she gets really out of line, like sometimes I'll take all of her toys, drive over to her grandma's house. When her grandma opens the door, I'm like, I will kill this bitch if you don't like, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll take grandma from your life. So <laughs> you want to see her again? You want to see her again? <laughs> you want to see this bitch again? <laughs> Act right. <laughs> don't try that. Like you know, those are the, those would be the methods that I use, and, and I don't have to do that anymore. I can now have conversations with her where I'm like, hey, and say to her in the moment, we don't deal with each other that way. We don't talk to each other like that. You're being disrespectful, and you need to go into your room, into your private space, and think about yourself. And then come talk to me when you're ready. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's two days. But every single time she comes back to me, she's like, can we, you know, can we talk? I apologize. And she like for this, you know, I, I'm thinking back about it and thinking about it. I was out of line and I was rude and I didn't mean to do that, you know? And, and, and so I think, you know, I'm excited for that show for By the Way They're Gay, for people to see that dynamic. And we offer resources give people information, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a really fun, very funny show. Um, and the other show that I have is with my friend, Stephen Campbell, who is also a comedian and that's called Nonprofits. And Profits is spelled P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S. And we meet with, um, so at the top of the show, Stephen and I, we pick a social issue um, and we tell stories or jokes about that social issue. And then we bring on an actual nonprofit that works to eradicate that issue. Um, you know, we've got a partnership now with Lululemon and we bring health uh, and information to people in food deserts and things like that, and then raise money to um, you know feed people and, and things of that nature. So we raised one show. We raised like eleven thousand dollars for one of these nonprofits. Wow. So yeah, it's it's a pretty cool undertaking. Um, and I think the thing that is different about what Stephen and I do is that both of us are genuinely passionate about social change. Um, it's not a thing, you know. And and if you're doing it to get clout whatever, because you're still, I guess, making a difference. But I think it, it, it really, people can feel the energy. They can see the vibe. They know that it's real. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I I've always, it's always been my dream to help human, humankind in any way that I possibly could, whatever, however small or big or whatever that means. That's just something that I've always been passionate about, probably because I wanted someone to save my life when I was a kid, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so those are the shows that I do. That what, wasn't probably too long. What's next for Frankie French? What's next? Can I, can I ask something before? Sorry, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Sorry, sorry to interject. And no, you're good. You're good. Um, but just coming off the back of those two shows and what you were describing, um, you talk about freedoms and bringing up your children, right? And then you talk about social events. Um, may not be obvious to others on the on the call or listening out now, but just over a year ago, we had well. You had the Brianna Taylor incident, um, which tragically mm -hmm. she passed away. Um, I was just wanted to know your opinions with regards to restrictions when it comes to teaching children how to interact with police or even sometimes adults, because over here in the UK, we see a lot of stories where unarmed black children uh, just regularly get popped off by the police and nothing's mm -hmm. done afterwards. So. How do you how do you feel we can resolve this issue essentially? It's down to you. How do we resolve it? I mean, I I have some very strong opinions around that topic, you know, and and believe that I know the answer. Would we implement it? Who knows? You know what I mean? If if we will get to a point where we can do that, and um, what I tell my daughter here here's here's the difference that I want um, my white friends watching this to understand. Okay, 
um, you know, I, I, I know oftentimes you'll see these things. And I, when I say you'll right now, I'm talking about my white friends, right? They'll see these things and you can go on with your day to day an hour later, the next day, things are back to normal. Um, but here's a story about when I can't remember who, who I want to say, oh, I don't remember who, oh, Eric Garner, I think mm -hmm. it was, was murdered. And I was on a school trip with my daughter, okay? Um, and it may not have been him, I'm, I'm not really sure, but it, it, I was on a school trip with her and some police cars were flying by with their signal lights going. And she was going to private school at the time. And an elementary school, I wanna say maybe third grade, maybe. And as the police cars are driving by, all the cute little white kids are on the bus going, hi officer, hey officer. And my daughter's in the back, no joke. And she goes, hands up, don't shoot. Okay. So we have to understand as a society that seeing images of, and this is actually why I lost my, my baby at the start of quarantine was the inundation of uh, being inundated with these images of black bodies on the ground, being tortured, being beat, being murdered, the man kneeling on George Floyd's neck, Breonna Taylor getting murdered in her home, in her bed, in her safest place. I couldn't, I was, man, when I tell you I've never had anything affect me so profoundly, literally to my soul, I couldn't stop crying for these humans that I had never met, these people I had never met. I could not stop, I couldn't get myself together. I couldn't eat, I wasn't sleeping, I was losing a pound and a half to two pounds a day in body weight every day I would get on the scale. And, and if between the, whoever's listening, I thought I had some form of cancer, I did. And I was terrified to go to the doctor. I was like, I'm clearly I'm dying. This isn't normal. You don't lose that much weight daily. Uh, and my body couldn't sustain the pregnancy and I, and I lost the baby. Um, so I say all of that to say, these images, what's happening in our society, um, have long lasting impacting effects on black people. It, it just does. It's a form of torture, uh, of, of longstanding torture. It's um, painful is not even a strong enough word. It's, there's no feeling like living in a world where you know that there's even one other human that looks at you and does not see a human person. There's no, there, I can't, you cannot replicate that feeling. There's nothing, it's gutting. It's gut-wrenching to know that one day I could walk out of my house and someone could see me, look at this fucking nigger and just shoot me in my head or jump me and beat me and kill me because of, a, of existing. Because I'm a truth in the world. Because I am a reflection of the pain their ancestors inflicted on mine. Yeah. There's, there is no way to describe that. How can we heal it, heal it? Admit what you did. Say what you did out loud. Own what you did. Say it. No, you're not your ancestors, but you are still benefiting yeah. from what your ancestors have done. And no one, and, and the only thing Black people get is get over it. Everyone comes to America, everyone else has come to America or wherever and been successful. Get over it. You people can't succeed 
because you're worthless, because you're not as smart as, because, which is a lie. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you get a single mom, a single black mom of six, she could have made the fire festival happen. I'm going to tell you that right now. She would have made that shit pop with $1,500. Okay. $1,500. She would have made that shit happen. Okay. We're not worthless. We are an amazing people. Paul McCartney came to America in the 60s and saw the degradation of the black woman, actually. Right. Mm -hmm. And he went back and he wrote the song Blackbird. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that song. Yeah. And there's a line that says, um, Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. And that's so indicative of the Black experience. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. Because we are born into degradation, regardless of what our financial circumstance is, regardless of what our family is like. We are born into slavery still in a lot of ways, okay? And with nothing we still succeed. And there is a whole group of people that can't understand that. How are you, when people ask, how are you still breathing, Frankie? How are my ancestors is the answer. That's how. Yeah. That's what it is. You feel me? And the answer is admit what you did. Let's have real conversations about it. Honest conversations about why black people as a whole have struggled for so long and are still struggling the police defund the police people get so upset what people don't seem to remember is that the whole police force was created solely to catch runaway slaves so how can you take a a thing that was built and created to murder me that was its function to murder me or drag me back to my slavers and now tell me that they're here to protect and serve me that's not a real that's not real you cannot make that change. You cannot make that leap. I cannot build a house on a foundation infested with termites. It doesn't work. It doesn't. You have to I eradicate the entire structure and rebuild it. I didn't and even no know one wants to do that because no one wants to lose their place in line. So don't get mad when we force the issue. I, I want to create change through entertainment. I feel like I've had many people come up to me and tell me after shows, you know, I have racist thoughts and I want to be different. You you told this joke, you know, this thing made me want Chris? to be different. Yeah. Chris? Do you have anything to say, Chris? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> just, just dropping it on me. No, that wasn't said, what, nod to you. Do you no, want to change what, your racist no, thoughts, what, Chris? What, what I said a second ago was uh, I didn't know about that, the police, the, the, the information you mentioned about how the police was created. That was new to me. Yeah. So I love yeah, that. And that's my point. Most people don't know that. I never knew that. You know, that yeah, most people don't that. know the origins of a lot of things are steeped and brewed in race. They're built in racism. Like the national anthem. People don't Ooh. even get why Ooh. that, that yeah, our national anthem stanza. needs to be gone. Oh, that stanza, that third stanza. <laughs> the second stanza. It's what, what is, you're literally talking about murdering black people. That's the literal, those are the literal lyrics. But you want me to stand and put my hand on my heart? Don't take a knee. (laughs) Kill them Negroes, kill. Like, no, I'm not. I'm I'm not. And here's the crazy part. I never stood for the Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem from Graceful. My my grandmother was not having it. She's like, you don't stand up for that. We don't stand for that. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've gotten in trouble for that my whole life. I'm like, okay, y'all new niggas just joining in. Like, where were y'all at when I was in third grade? (laughs) Getting suspended. Okay, all right. So, but yeah, but that's... (laughs) 
that's my position. I think something real needs to happen. Reparations are a must. Um, you know, a lot of things need to happen. A lot needs to happen. We need to get honest. That's the bottom line. Get honest and, and really go through a, an international therapy in, in, some, in some form you know, and, and get back to normal, make real change. I don't give a damn about Pepe Le Pew being a rapist, what I care about, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't give a Pepe shit about Aunt your mama on a box of pancakes. I don't care Dr. about Zeus? that. You what you say? Dr. Seuss? I don't give a fuck about Dr. Seuss. Fuck Dr. <laughs> Seuss. Here's what I care. Yeah. Okay, fine. Great. Thank you for getting rid of those images. But what about the teacher that's teaching my daughter yeah. and low key saying racist shit? What about her? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, what, what about that? What about my boss at my HR manager that hit me in my face and felt like that was okay and was rewarded for that and told, and I got fired. Yeah. Yeah. The privilege what about that person? Yeah. What about Tamar Rice? Who's yeah. playing with a toy gun at 12 years old in a park and gets shot within seconds of the police stopping him. Literally three seconds. Literally. I don't mean that figuratively. Shot and murdered a 12-year-old boy. You know why? Because we are adults when we come out of the womb. We're not seen even as children. And there's this conversation that every Black person in the world has had with their parent. And that's the, the day that you get your, a little piece of your innocence just snatched away, where you get sat down. Oh, hey, by the way, the world doesn't give a fuck about you, and you need to know that. And you need to traverse the, yes, and you need to traverse the world accordingly. Your head should be on a swivel. Because your life is imminently in danger. But why, mommy? Oh, because you're black. Some people know that as a nigger. You know what I mean? That's the conversation that every black parent has had with their black child. Every single one. And if they haven't had it, they're doing their child a disservice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not to end so deep, but um, but yeah. No, you're just telling the truth. Needs to be heard. Needs to be heard. Too many incidents. Look at Ahmed. Too many. It's too many. It's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. It's not unintentional. Start firing these officers. Immediate fired. Fired immediately. You need to investigate before the arrest. Okay, fine. But there better be an arrest coming. There are no consequences for murdering black people. There is no consequence. There isn't. Yeah, like the, the George Floyd, the George Floyd thing, the research that I was doing, um, I, I heard that he, he got third degree murder rather than getting first degree murder. Because now they're saying that he, 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 that he died from an overdose and COVID complications. Yeah, it, it's, I, I can't even say really? it because it's so, it's so asinine. It's like, oh, so that, that guy kneeling on his neck for eight minutes and seven seconds. That's what they're saying. Cutting off his, yeah, cutting off his air that didn't really attribute what are you even and and this is the th <laughs> this is the thing that's so infuriating is this kind of foolishness this kind of foolishness you don't don't shit on my chest and tell me it's finger pain okay don't yeah. don't do that all right <laughs> don't 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 do it do not do it and the, and yeah, and that's what, it, um ah oh god oh what what is his name I can't think of it but the the white female police officer that oh, came yeah. home oh yeah yeah and um, thought she was entering her her um, house and killed him uh, and killed I can't think of the, the oh god yeah, it's right on the tip of my tongue too and she, but she walked years. into she only got ten years and and the brother hugged her in the court she only got oh, yeah, I yeah, would yeah. have 
Chen checked that bitch in court. Fuck out. Yeah, okay, I'll do the year, the 12, whatever, how many months you're going to give me for Chen checking this bitch. But how do you walk into someone else's house and shoot them while they're eating ice cream? How was he a threat? It's crazy. Bro, apart from being lactose intolerant, I don't see it. <laughs> Apart from being like, like, oh my god, that nigga was eating ice cream, yo! <laughs> like, like, <laughs> knowledge, he was gangster for that he shit. He was gangster, and they tried to cover that up real quick as well. Like, Try to cover it up. Really Try to end the fact that she was drunk. Real quick, oh, she was, was like drunk. A church go obviously character doesn't matter when it comes to, but this guy was like a church going guy, church leader. He was a good guy. He was a, by all accounts a good man. That's no, just not here anymore. And oh well. Too many of these stories. Oh well. Too many. Too many. Well, listen, I'd, it's, I, it's, it's, I, I know uh, I'm conscious of your time <laughs> um, <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, I should have left actually 20 minutes ago to go pick my husband <laughs> up from work. But fuck him, he's fine. I'm kidding. <laughs> before before he's we kill me. Before we <laughs> let you go, what's what's next? What's next for Frankie French? Oh, what's next for Frank? I mean, who knows? I I think the sky's the limit. You know what I mean? I I don't hold myself by the constrictors of society. I don't. Like when I started comedy, people were like, well, you know, you know, it's not like you're gonna like be on TV or like get famous or and and I was just featured in the biggest entertainment magazine in the world, you know what Amazing. I mean? So you, I, I always tell people, you can't tell me what I can or can't do. You can tell yourself that, you know, you're telling me based on what you believe for you. But any whatever I decide to do, that's what I'm gonna do. So I want, I want to. I'm writing TV shows, so I want to get those made. Um, I definitely want to do a special, an hour special. I'm, I'm actually got two hours that I'm ready to drop. Um, and I want to get this, uh, by the way, they're gay podcast really off the ground because that's going to be my daughter's business. Um, you know, that's going to be, she's going to own that. Um, and she will never in all the life she lives, she'll never work for anyone but herself. Um, so th that's, what's next for me is, is getting her squared away, um, prepared for college, get her business going and, and get my stuff off the ground. Like I have a lot of shit, America, and and the world. Yeah, you guys are gonna love it. Yeah, waiting for that French roast over here. That's what I'm waiting for. Okay, first listen, of I'm all, not accepting knowledge. any invitations in case I get roast now. I'm gonna be like, oh, I don't know if I want to accept that call from Frankie now because I might be getting roasted. <laughs> okay, first off, Chris, I'm definitely gonna get you. I just, I'm, I'm, and I'm gonna be so bold as I'm telling you to your face. You're not gonna know. I, I'm going to make it my life's mission. I don't know what you're laughing at, Warren, and knowledge, because I'm going to get all of you at different times. You will get Chris. I don't mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to get Chris. We're going to shit all over him. It's I've already be been roasted. You roasted gonna, me already. You're outside the Apple store, Chris. <laughs> I've already been roasted today. All right. Listen, can I just say this has been phenomenal? I really appreciate you guys having me on. This was so much fun. You need to come I, back. You have to come back. Yeah, man. <laughs> Anytime you want, I I'll come back and back and back. This was super fun. I really really loved it. Frankie, where can people follow you? They want to please uh, follow me on Instagram at Frankie French everywhere really, but Instagram's probably where I'm I'm most active. F R A N Q I F R E N C H, or just go to FrankieFrench.com and you can see all my stuff there. Amazing. And for everyone listening right now, wherever you're listening, click the link in the comments section. Those links would already be there. And also make sure you subscribe to all of the all of Frankie's podcasts below as well. So make sure you make yeah, that happen. Yeah, please do. Yeah, awesome. You guys were 
so wonderful. It's been such an honor. It really has. I love London Hughes, by the way. I just want to shout her out because she's just like I said, she's free black woman. And I love you, girl. Like she's fantastic. Uh, apparently you're in some sort of ox, oxtail debt with myself so uh, <laughs> i can just come to that arrangement as well i'm in an okay. oxtail debt with both of yeah that's what i say with warren and with both of you i got you like don't even trip i'll make a trip when the world is open <laughs> and it's safe i will literally come there and and make you guys a fantastic meal can i ask you a personal oh, question i know what's going to yeah, come sure. now joe i know <laughs> i know what's coming go on oxtail uh-huh or curry goat Oxtail, 100%. Oxtail. Chris, see, yeah. Chris. Oh my gosh. Chris, you don't know nothing. You Listen, know nothing, every man. Sunday we go to Tasha's family and they make curry goat and I love it and I, I'm obsessed with it. So just leave me. Let me have my curry goat and leave me alone. <laughs> Listen, just, just leave me. Just leave. Do you know what's funny though? In Tasha's family, there's a dedicated family member for curry goat and there's a dedicated family member for oxtail and neither, no one else can make it in their family. Only those two people, her uncle. That's how that works. The go-to, yeah. the oxtail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, once you find the person that makes it the best, we, we, if you come to a family function with, like, for example, my other thing I make is mac and cheese, right? That's the thing I make. And if someone else comes to a family function with a pan of mac and cheese, <laughs> yeah, we will look like, uh, who the hell are you? What are you doing right now? You can take, put that shit in your trunk. Like, we do not, no one asked you for that. No one asked you for that. Could I bring a potato, potato salad with, like, raisins in it and, and croutons? Okay, I almost cursed. Oh my God. I'm, I almost talk bad about your parents' knowledge and I don't even know. I'm like, oh my God. Like, don't, first off, don't curse at me like that. Okay, don't be disrespectful. You invited me here. Okay. <laughs> now you're just saying a bunch of wild shit into my face and I don't appreciate it. Chris, thank you for having some manners. Warren, you too. Knowledge, fuck you, my nigga. Like, I don't even understand <laughs> how you fixed your mouth to say raisins and potato salad in the same sentence at my face. Oh, and Chris, <laughs> don't forget the croutons. On that note, we'll end it there. Before we finish up, before we yeah. finish up, we was talking about oxtail, yeah. I was talking about oh, different foods and stuff like that, yeah. All I'm telling you is there's one shop that I'm shouting out, yeah. It's called Bagel King. I had it this weekend. And they made an uh, oxtail stuffed garlic bread that was different. Yes. And it changed my life. Oxtail stuffed garlic bread. Okay, first off, when you can start talking about a, a succulent meat stuffed inside a carb, yeah, get it into my face hole. Like, <laughs> grab it, yeah. heat it up, yeah. and get it into my face hole. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds amazing. Garlic bread stuffed with oxtail. Is that what you just said? And I didn't say hard bread. I said garlic no, bread. No, garlic bread. I know, I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to, so when I come out there, you're going to need, yeah, we're going to, yeah, we need to do a food tour. I'm gonna cook for you guys. It's gonna be amazing. What, what? Oh, you got it. He's got it. So that's it. Oh, look! Can you open it? Can I see what? I just want to see what it looks like on the inside. Oh God, I'm so jealous right now. It looks like a doctor. Oh, it's full of inside. You are a slut. Oh my God. Okay. All right, Warren. Hey, boo. Yeah, I don't want to see that. I don't want to. That's not. Okay, Warren. Me, boy. Warren, we've got our thumbnail now. Thanks for the thumbnail, Warren. We've, we've got that now. So that's fine. I don't have to worry about that. But look, thank you so Warren's much. Warren's DM's about to be on fire. <laughs> Mainly from me, but whatever. Um, <laughs> well, then stop licking uh, uh, oxtail like that on the camera. Exactly. I'm going to tell your wife. 
Okay. And your wife's DMs about to blow up too. Like, look, this nigga out here looking oxtail meat. Okay. I don't know what to tell you. A new couple <laughs> under 50. Uh, <laughs> oh, she fired also. I might be sending you a note. Oh, God. <laughs> you might lose your wife. Don't do that, Warren. Don't oh, my do God. Don't do that. My See how your tongue was long? Mine comes down to here. So, you don't. I know. Don't, don't do that. They like... call me Mr. Steal Your Girl. That's. That's what they call oh, Venom. Venom. I'm not a braggart. I'm just stating points of fact. Yeah. That, that's, that's all that is. All right, you listen. guys have been fantastic. Thank I gotta you go so get much. my husband. Yeah, we'll catch He's you like soon. We really appreciate it. With a little stick Your and his bag. Your husband looks like one of our friends as well. Your husband looks so much like one of our friends. Oh, does he? He's a cute little bloke, isn't he? He's so adorable. I he love looks him. like Adrian. You oh, well, know, boys. I like the way you said blow as well for the English people listening. I like that. That was a good touch. Well, I like to mix. <laughs> that I was a good say touch. Oi all the time. I like to mix different uh, dialects in my language just because it, I think it's more interesting that way. It is. All right. Well, look, go and get him before he gets worried and uh, hitchhikes back. Oh, yeah, I will. This was, I, I don't even want to leave. This has been so wonderful. <laughs> Please send me the links. So we I will. Can post we will. It everywhere. You guys are phenomenal. And I, I would love to come back anytime you want. See ya. Thank you guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.